Hi, I'm the Strategist Cowboy. This week I'm going to try an alcohol-free IPA beer and set it up against a very low ABV Pilsener. The alcohol-free IPA beer is a Swedish beer called A Ship Full of IPA, which I'm going to start with. This is going to be a fight in the lowest weight class, i.e. minimum weight. I have to admit that I have already tried a ship full of IPA with a 0.0% ABV. It is not really a cheap beer despite its 0% ABV. It costs about 15 Swedish kronas or about 1 US dollars and 70 cents. But it is surprisingly good in its taste. I reckon it doesn't get cheaper to brew beers with a 0.7% ABV, because you have to add the time and cost for removing the alcohol in the beer. But to be truthful, I don't know if they at Spendrup's brewery even use yeast when brewing their product. It doesn't say so on the product, but that goes for a lot of beers also with alcohol in it. Brutal Brewing is the name of the producer, which they use on their product, but when searching on the internet, you can come to the conclusion that it is the well-established Spendrup's Bruggerier, Spendrup's Breweries, that is behind the production of a ship full of IPA. There is an alcohol variant of a ship full of IPA, and I will review it in a coming episode. I thought it a banal to set it up against the 0% ABV IPA with the same name. I must say that I certainly prefer a 0% ABV beer before a 0.2 or even a 2.2% ABV beer. The beer contains water, barley malt and hops. The beer is bottled in a chubby 33 centiliter i.e. about 11 liquid ounces bottle. The brewery does not give a preferred serving temperature for a 0% a ship full of IPA and you cannot buy it at Sustainable Lager. But since it is a 0% ABV, I suggest that you nearly freeze the sucker. Seriously, serve it rather cool. How about the experience then? It's got a fresh, appealing aroma. Very good. And the color is... Uh,
clear it's clear in its uh, it's not feculent uh, so um, and it's brownish orange orange like in color and the foam is uh, The head is uh, uh, well, uh, it's a good head, pretty large. It's very good. But I knew that. I think it's got um, I can't um, they say that it's uh, got a, 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 an aroma of citrus or a, a, a taste of citrus but um, I don't smell any fruit in it or, or taste any fruit in it, I mean. But, uh, well, is it bread-like? No. Is it rich? For an alcohol-free beer, this certainly is rich. It's not rich in the sense like it's really full body cannot be with zero point zero percent alcohol in it so so when I say rich you have to remember that it's a zero point zero percent ABV uh, but it's good taste on my palate it's got a bitter taste not very much, but uh, it's moderate bit bitter. And it's, is it sweet? No, it's not. I don't think so. No. And the fruitiness, uh, I don't, I don't sense. I, I, re I don't really sense fruitiness in it, a fruitiness. And there are, probably some spices in it. I don't know. I maybe not. No, I don't think so. There's not much to say about this beer. The carbonation level. Not very high. It's not creamy. It's not acidic and there are no aberrations. It's just an hyper beer. 
which tastes good. And the aftertaste is then... Well, first of all, it's a, it's a clean taste on this beer. It's, it's fresh. I must say that. And it's got a hop sensation, I think. It's got this metallic aftertaste. And I, I would say that that is caused by the non the zero percent ABV. I mean, um, that's the way I interpret this beer in the aftertaste of it. I remember that I have encountered it before. I sometimes drink uh, alcohol-free beer. Uh, so what about grading then? I'm not gonna grade this beer any less just because it's got no alcohol in it. On the contrary, a beer that tastes this good needs a plus. It needs to be added something in um, uh, the grading because it tastes so good. So it's a uh, it's an advantage on this beer. I will grade this beer. Nine devils out of ten possible. Yes. Nine devils out of ten possible. It's worth it. I think this is the best uh, alcohol-free beer I've ever tasted, actually. So, to conclude, I'm not going to grade it lower because it's got no alcohol in it. I'm going to grade it higher because it has no got no alcohol in it because it tastes so so good well um, our next contestant is a very limited edition from Pax Brewery called Uppåkraöl or Up Acre Beer as you would translate it into English <clears throat> this very low ABV Pilsner is sold only at the archaeological excavations on the hill in Uppbukra. The name really just lingering on since prehistoric days, because there are literally just a few houses at the location. Uppbukra is located just outside my town, Lund in Skania, Sweden. <clears throat> An Uppåkraöl with a taste of the Iron Age, as it says on the bottle. <clears throat> Excuse me. Costs 40 Swedish kronas, or about 4 US dollars and 50 cents. But since it is promoting cultural roots, I think it is well worth the cost. I just hope that it tastes really good, or at the very least that it tastes interesting. The beer is based on archaeological findings from the remains of Iron Age ovens, 
att uppåkra. Charcoal barley husks with sprouts, i.e. malt, testifies of beer production. And thus, Uppokra is the oldest known Nordic brewery. The beer has got a 2.2% ABV. It contains water, barley malt, and for flavor something called pors, pors instead of hops. And some herbs I haven't even heard of in other beer sorts, elk, herb, and yarrow. The beer is based on archaeological findings. It sounds a little bit as if it was a Hollywood movie, based on a true story. And we all know how well that turns out, don't we? <laughs> the beer is bottled in a long-necked sized 33 centiliters, i.e. about 11 liquid ounces bottle. I'm going to drink this beer just slightly cooled. They didn't have coolers during the Iron Age, but they did have fall, winter and spring. How about the experience then? It smells like a foot sweat. Uh, I don't like the smell of this one. <clears throat> but maybe that's the way they drank beer before modern days. Who knows? You know, here in Sweden, we used to drink beers up to a certain point in history. I think it was the 19th century when um, we, we they switched over to paying uh, people who working people with alcohol sometimes parts of the salary was in alcohol I mean uh, liquor it's very feculent this beer it's yellow yellow or orange in color Tastes like foot sweat. I, I don't know how foot sweat tastes like, but it tastes like it smells. It uh, hasn't got a very large head. What does this beer taste like? Citrus fruit. Lemon, a lot of lemon. It's sour. And the herbs they use are not in my taste. But if you set that aside and taste the beer all in all. The, the first thing that strikes you is the sourness of the beer. 
I think it's sour like uh, if they had pressed a, a lemon in each beer. Well, I wouldn't say that it's rich, but it's got a full body in that it uh, has got a taste. And uh, taste is very rare in beers with 2.2% ABV. It's an interesting beer. I can say that. It's uh, a little bit... bread-like perhaps uh, but uh, I don't know uh, the sourness steals all the uh, it steals the show from all the other tastes and flavors like you can have in it but uh, it's interesting it's complex but uh, I think it's uh, actually I think it's it's it tastes kind of yeasty under on the on the undertone and the taste on your palate is fruit sweat well no but uh, lemon juice and uh, very strange and odd spices it's not bitter it doesn't even taste like beer actually but it's not bitter it's more sweet it is sweet and uh, sour candy like let's see No, not candy-like, but very much of, of fruitiness in it, this lemon. The combination level. Very low, very low. And it's, uh, it's I, I wouldn't say that it's acidic, but there are aberrations in it. And that's um, the herbs I mentioned before. They make it, oh, uh, yeah, very sour, but not acidic. The aftertaste is lemon and foot sweat. Okay, what about grading then? I cannot give this beer much uh, a high point. It's an interesting beer, but I can't grade it on how interesting it is. Just because it's brewed on ancient uh, uh, herbs and stuff. So uh, I'd say that I give this beer... Uh, I'm not going to grade it for its uh, good taste. I actually give it a one out of ten possible. 
But it's interesting. I'm glad I'm pr I tried it. I'm glad I, I, pr I tried it. Since it's a rare beer and uh, it was uh, a fun thing. Okay, so one devil out of ten possible. This week's lesson. Bermuda Triangle. First, I want to say that the Swedish military reckons we need eight groups of Aster 30 with four batteries, excluded Norland, i.e. the north half of Sweden. All our air defense groups located on the mainland. But then we wouldn't get a defense against an invasion and all verbands on the island of Gotland would be exposed to unnecessary risks. My suggestion is that we, in a war scenario, may deploy Aster 30 with radars against Iskander M and some kind of long-range air defense system and radars against low-flying cruise missiles in a certain location in the region of Mälardalen, near the 60th latitude. Iskander M is a semi-ballistic missile that almost, but not quite, climbs over the top layer of the atmosphere. We need Aster 30 on Gotland to deter the Russians from invading the island. So I suppose that the Swedish military's assessment that we need a deep defense was an economic assessment made to stand a chance to influence the then reluctant bourgeois government. By the way, I'm not a socialist. The top dogs at the military headquarters in Stockholm do not intend to deploy any air defense missiles either on the island of Gotland, neither on Ireland, both islands located on the Baltics in the Baltic Sea. However, they want to be able to deploy a dozen units of Aster 30 in the industrial area of Mälardalen. Aster 30 is a good choice for our air defense. Maybe the Israeli-American stunner is better than Aster 30 against targets flying on high altitudes. But we may not be able to lay our hands on stunner, so I begin from Aster 30. You must have sufficiently early sensor warning against low-flying cruise missiles if you are to have a chance to shoot down missiles at low altitude. The air defense missiles are supposed to cover long distances from a specific location and place, like the central warehouse in Arboga to Örebro, a distance of 40 kilometers, i.e. 25 miles. If the cruise missiles are targeting factories in Örebro, then you may not be able to guide long-range air defense missiles from Arboga due to every missile system's limitations. You have to place an air defense system also at Örebro. You can't do it with just one deployment of air defense systems at Arboga. Then you could just as well use IRST SL with medium range at both locations. Of course, it may be that Russian cruise missiles fly at an altitude of up to 6,000 meters, 
i.e. nearly 20,000 feet over the surface for optimal terrain reference, but we cannot count on that. But inertial navigation systems are more accurate at low altitudes. Otherwise, the Russian navigation satellite system GLONASS can support missiles with GPS updates. But the missiles can probably only hit beforehand measured targets. The similarities between my proposal and the headquarters proposal are that a group of air defense systems is placed at Vestavik on the east coast and another group near the central material storage material storage in the outskirts of Arboga and close to crucial industries in the rest of Mälardalen. The differences are that I, in a war scenario, want to place two groups Astra 30 on Gotland and one group on Erland. We then pose a threat to enemy aircrafts with one group over the airbase F-17 and Karlskrona naval base not far from F-17. Synergies are that we are allowed to an, an attempt to defend the island of Gotland at a critical stage. It requires that we have several kinds of sensors, like aerostat radar, alt-faced array OTH surface wave radar, mobile radar and IR and electro-optical sensors. IRST-SL systems against cruise missiles and aircraft should be placed at F-17 and at the naval base and the systems, systems must, must then have signal contact with the nearest Aster 30 battery miles away because IRST-SL should have target preference. This contact is preferably made with shortwave transmitters. An Aster 30 system will be located at, at the Oscarsham nuclear power plant, also on the mainland east coast, but south of Vestavik. The locations Visby Vestavik Oscarsham form on the map an almost perfect right-angled upside-down triangle with the catheters a base of 100 kilometers plus a 60-kilometer angle and a 120-kilometer hypotenuse, 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 thereby the name Bermuda Triangle. If you do not have a map in front of you, think of it like this. Visby is located on the west coast of a big island called Gotland near the middle of the Baltic Sea. West of Visby, on the Swedish mainland's east coast, lies Vestervik. 72 km south of Vestervik, but still on the east coast of Sweden's mainland, lies Oskarshamn. Just east of Oskarshamn lies the very narrow but long island of Öland, close by the mainland. So there are two islands. One is Öland and, and to the northeast of Öland lies Gotland. Long range air defense systems based at Visby and at the southern half of the island of Gotland and on central Öland at the town Thergestaden, adjacent to the Kalmar Bridge 
as well as the mentioned Oskarshamn and Vestervik on the mainland, would be ideal for defending the airspace at these locations and covering the airspace above the Bermuda Triangle. From Visby and from mainland Vestervik, the airspace over the northeast waters are covered. Oskarshamn's nuclear power plant and major shipping port to Gotland are located west-southwest linear to Visby on Gotland, passing Öland's northern cape. With a little help from a number of submarine scouting Aden-class boats and with our corvettes, we can escort our troop transports by sea between Oskarshamn and Visby, thereby reducing the risk the risks of submarine attacks against our troops being shipped over to Gotland. The Verbands should be shipped over from Oskarshamn to Gotland at night if possible. They should be supported by submarine helicopters with cesium magnetometers and counter torpedo systems, as well as by mine clearance submarine hunters with sensors of type synthetic aperture sonar. SAS at ports and port inlets. Thank you and see you later, alligator. Oh, thank you.